Did you hear they're, uh, they're coming out with this new matzah? It's, uh, um, it's actually in, infused with uh, a kosher sausage flavor. Did you know this? Yeah, it's called uh, kilbatsa. Thank you. No, no, but seriously, um, they're actually, they're coming out with this new matzah uh, for Italian Jews. Um, have you heard about this? It's called uh, Vinny Boom Batza. No, but seriously. Um, no, seriously, they are developing a new type of matzah uh, with extra nutrients and energy um, because, you know, the, the yeast is taken out. It's actually called, uh, I'm so tired I could plaza. No? All right. I'll, I'll try again next year. So when you think of matzah, what do you think of? Flatbread, tastes a little bland. We try to jazz it up a little bit, throw some peanut butter on there. Or, uh, but it's still matzah, right? Every year, we ditch our bagels and our pizzas for this stuff. So what should we be thinking about as we eat the matzah, as we make this this grand sacrifice. Well, the Apostle Shaul offers up an interpretation of matzah and chametz. Chametz is leavening uh, that I would like to examine today a little closer. So this is from 1 Corinthians 5 verses 6 through 8. This is what Shaul says. Maybe I'll just tell you if we don't have it up there. Do we have it up there? No? All right. Well, I'll just tell you what it says. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know the saying, it takes only a little chametz to leaven a whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old chametz so that you can be a new batch of dough, because in reality, you are unleavened. For our Pesach lamb, the Messiah, has been sacrificed. There it is. So let us celebrate the Seder not with leftover chametz or leavening, the chametz of wickedness and evil, but with the matzah of purity and truth. So here, the shaliach Paul is making an analogy. He says that the leavening or the chametz is equated with sin, and matzah is equated with purity and holiness and right living. Because the Passover lamb, Yeshua, has been sacrificed, we are now like the unleavened bread. We're like matzah. We are made pure. So we need to act in that new reality. But let's back up a bit. I want to know, where did Paul get this analogy? Well, in the years when the Israelites were not seeking after the Lord, they actually did not celebrate Passover. So there were times in our history where we just didn't celebrate it. But when we turned back to him with all our hearts, usually uh, we found, uh, it it goes along with the awakening of finding the Torah again. We set our hearts to obey the Torah, and that's when Passover was reinstated. It's like, oh, we have this festival we have to do. We should should do it again. This happened a couple of times in our history. Uh, For example, in 2 Kings 23, we find the the history of King Josiah, or Yoshiyahu in this translation, and uh, he finds the scroll of the Torah, and this is what it says in verses 1 through 4. Then the king summoned all the leaders of Yehuda and Jerusalem, and they assembled with him. 
The king went up to the house of Adonai with the men of Yehuda or Judah, and all those living in Jerusalem, the Kohanim, the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing everything written in the scroll of the covenant that had been found in the house of Adonai. So they found the Torah. Uh, it had been missing, and they are reading it again. The king stood on the platform and made a covenant in the presence of Adonai to live following Adonai, observing his mitzvot, his commandments, instructions, regulations, wholeheartedly and with all his being, so as to confirm the words of the covenant written in the scroll. And all the people stood, pledging themselves to keep the covenant. Then the king ordered Hilkiyahu, the Kohen Hagadol, the high priest, the Kohanim of the second rank, and the doorkeepers to remove from the sanctuary of Adonai all the articles that had made for Baal, for the Asherah, and for the entire army of heaven. And he burned them up outside Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried their ashes to Beit El. So what's going on there? They're getting rid of the idols and the things that were used to worship other gods. And then the verses that follow describe further examples of purification. They're getting rid of all the idols, all the symbols in the land that were used to worship other gods. They're cleaning all of that out, much like we cleaned out all of the yeast in our sanctuary. And then we find this in verses 21 and 23. This is the same chapter. The king issued this order to all the people. Observe Pesach. Do we have that up? Okay, I'll read it to you. And Yeah, there we go. Observe Pesach to Adonai your God, as is written in the scroll of the covenant. For Pesach had not been observed since the days when the judges ruled Israel, not during the times of any of the kings of Israel or the kings of Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, or Yoshiahu, this Pesach was observed to Adonai in Jerusalem. So what are the actions that accompany celebrating the Passover traditionally? Well, we see the people humbling themselves, devoting themselves to Torah, or redevoting themselves to Torah, and ridding the land of idolatry. It's a time of purification and devotion to Hashem. Passover is a great time to make Hashem first in our lives, to be reminded as we eat the matzah instead of regular bread all week, to get rid of the idols in our lives, the things that we put before the Lord. Do we put anything before God? Let us endeavor to put God first again in this season of purification. Another example of Passover being celebrated again after years of neglect is in the history of Hezekiah in 2 Chronicles 30, verses 1 through 5. At this time, the Israelites hadn't celebrated Passover there was a, uh, for a while, and there was a rift between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdoms. And so this is what we find. Then Hizkiyahu, or Hezekiah, sent to all Israel and Yehuda and wrote letters also to Ephraim and Menasseh, summoning them to the house of Adonai in Yerushalayim to keep the Pesach, the Passover, to Adonai, the God of Israel. For the king, his officials, and the entire Yerushalayim community had agreed to keep the Pesach in the second month. They had not been able to observe it at the proper time because the Kohanim had not consecrated themselves or set themselves apart in sufficient number. Also, the people had not assembled in Yerushalayim. 
The idea had seemed right to the king and to the whole community. So they issued a decree that it should be proclaimed throughout all Israel, from Beersheba to Dan, that they should come to keep the Pesach to Adonai, the God of Israel at Yerushalayim, for only a few had been observing it as prescribed. So this actually references another scripture, which says, um, if you miss Passover, right, if you don't get to do the Seder, did you know that you have another chance? Yes. So in a month, it's actually in scripture, in a month, you uh, can celebrate it again. It's like a heavenly grace period. You know, it's like a second chance from God. So um, they had been so far from the Lord, they neglected the feast entirely on the, uh, in the 15th of Nisan, when it was supposed to be, and they realized their mistake, and they didn't have time to do it at the right time, so they did it a month later. They celebrated it a month later. Hezekiah even invited the southern kingdom, the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, to join him. So it was kind of um, drawing all the tribes back to the Lord. And then in the following uh, verses, 6 through 9, this is what we find. So the runners went with the letters from the king and his officers throughout all Israel and Yehuda. They conveyed the king's order. People of Israel, turn back to Adonai, the God of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Then he will return to those of you who remain, who escaped capture by the kings of Ashur. Do not be like your ancestors or like your kinsmen who sinned against, the, against Adonai, the God of their ancestors, with the result that he allowed them to become an object of horror, as you see. Don't be stiff-necked now, as your ancestors were. Instead, yield yourselves to Adonai. Enter his sanctuary, which he has made holy forever, and serve Adonai your God, so that his fierce anger will turn away from you. For if you turn back to Adonai, your your kinsmen and children will find that those who took them captive will have compassion on them, and they will come back to this land. Adonai your God is compassionate and merciful. He will not turn his face away from you if you return to him. Right? So we see what's happening here. There's a return to God along with the celebration of Passover. This is the, the verses directly afterward. And after this, there's a description again of the removal of idols. So the same thing is happening. Removing altars for foreign worship. And the Levites and the Kohanim, who are responsible for the temple work, they're purifying themselves so that they can come back into the temple and do the Passover sacrifices. You see, even the holy temple itself, the temple itself had altars to foreign gods put there by the evil king Ahaz. So afterwards, they slaughtered the Passover lamb and the priests purified themselves and brought offerings to the house of the Lord. Many of the people ate of the Passover lamb without purifying themselves. So there's a special way you have to consecrate yourself and get yourself ready that they didn't do. And this was against the law and the Torah. But Hezekiah, he prays for them, uh, he intercedes for them, and this is what he says. May Adonai, who is good, pardon everyone who sets his heart on seeking God, Adonai, the God of his ancestors, even if he hasn't undergone the purification prescribed in connection with holy things. And then Adonai heard Hezekiah and healed the people. So we're not given more information about how the people were healed or of what exactly, but we do know that Hezekiah is interceding for the people due to a breach of ritual purity. Uh, 
And this all goes back to the idea of ritual purity or holiness, which is kind of strange concept for us to grasp um, in our modern times, and we don't have a temple standing anymore. But with regard to the holy things of the temple, the sacrifices and, and eating the Pesach lamb, one had to be ritually pure. And the Tanakh spends a lot of time describing what this looks like. And so this is an important concept for us to understand. Ritual purity has to do with avoiding things associated with death or with life coming out of a person, like uh, dead bodies or bodily fluids. And if you are ritually pure, you could approach the holiness of God in the temple. And if you are not ritually pure, you could not approach God in the temple. So there's nothing inherently wrong with being in an impure state. But the wrong thing is, if you're in an impure state and you try to bring that into the temple. That would be a no-no. In other words, you can't be like near a dead body and then go into the temple to do your sacrifices. Um, If if you are in an impure state, there's actually a purification process. Um, It involves immersion in water and a little bit of time. um, So you could be pure again and able to approach God in his holy temple. Does that make sense? All right, so with ritual purity, there is a parallel, and there's actually a parallel um, in all of these stories between the spiritual and the physical. So there's a spiritual purity that goes along with this. Being ritually pure goes along with being morally pure, with godly values, with justice and love and mercy. Uh, Purifying oneself to eat the Passover lamb goes along with getting rid of all the idols and worshiping God alone. The celebration of the feast of Passover, which is a physical thing that we'll do, it represents and goes along with a spiritual thing, the humility and turning back to the Torah. The eating of the matzah, a physical reminder that we'll have this week, goes along with repentance from sin and turning away from sin. Passover is a time when we physically and spiritually return to the Lord. In the context of these narratives of Passover, I'm going to read Rabbi Shaul's statement again in 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8. This is the same one I read at the beginning of the sermon. He says, do we have it? Great. Thank you. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know the saying, it takes only a little chametz, a little leavening, to leaven a whole batch of dough. Get rid of the old chametz so that you can be a new batch of dough, because in reality, you are unleavened. For our Pesach lamb, the Messiah, has been sacrificed. So let us celebrate the Seder, not with leftover leavening, chametz, the chametz of wickedness and evil, but with the matzah of purity and truth. Let's take a look at verse 7 in particular. Get rid of the leavening so that you can be a new batch of dough because, what does it say? In reality, in reality, you are unleavened. The Greek text, the Greek text simply says, just as you are unleavened, or it could be rendered, for you are matzah. Yeah. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you are matzah. Turn to somebody else and say, you are matzah. 
Oh. That is, you are ritually and spiritually pure. You are free from chametz, or sin. But how can this be? Is there anyone who is free from sin, anyone without sin among us? The radical idea of this verse is that Yeshua inaugurates a new reality. You may feel like a big, old, lumpy piece of fluffed up bread. You might feel that way, but Hashem calls you clean and pure. Hashem says you are matzah in Messiah Yeshua. God sees you as matzah. He calls you matzah. And Yeshua invites us into that new reality to live it out. Because we are matzah, because we are pure and holy in Yeshua, both physically and spiritually, he invites us to live out a life of holiness and devotion to God. So how does Yeshua inaugurate this new reality? Again, verse 7 says, Get rid of the old chametz so you can be a new batch of dough because in reality you are unleavened. For our Pesach lamb, the Messiah, has been sacrificed. We as Messianic Jews and Messianic Gentiles understand that Yeshua is the Passover lamb. But how central is the Passover lamb to Yeshua's identity? So important, in fact, that even in the Olam Haba, even in the world to come, Yeshua is still identified as the Passover lamb. And we read these verses in Revelation today. Um, Jason Rudy read them. In the book of Revelation 5, verse 6, it says, Then I saw standing there with the throne and the four living beings in the circle of the elders a lamb that appeared to have been slaughtered. That is, Yeshua is still identified as the Passover lamb even in heaven. And in Revelation 5, verse 12, And they shouted out, Worthy is the slaughtered lamb, the Pesach lamb, to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and praise. Even in the new heavenly reality, Yeshua is our Passover lamb, slain for us that we may be made pure. We are only made right with God through Yeshua's Passover sacrifice. We are only pure, able to approach the temple of God approach God's holiness in heaven because of Yeshua's Passover sacrifice. If you have not received Yeshua's Passover sacrifice, I want to invite you to do so. If you want to be a part of a new reality in God, forgiven, forgiven for every wrong thing you've ever done, made totally new, totally free from the leavening of sin. All you have to do is accept Yeshua's Passover sacrifice. Again, verse 8 says, So let us celebrate the Seder, not with leftover chametz, the chametz, the, the leavening of wickedness and evil, but with the matzah of purity and truth. If we receive Yeshua as our sacrifice, he can enable us to live out the reality of purity and truth to worship the living God, the reality that God longs for 
with us. No one can say we're entering this Passover season with no chametz, with no sin. We can all draw near to God. If you are far off, I pray right now in the name of Yeshua that God would draw you near. Passover is a time to forsake idols, to live out lives of purity and truth, to walk out the new reality brought into the world through Yeshua the Messiah. I would like for us to close our eyes, please. And if you are sensing the Lord himself, if you're sensing him knocking on your heart to draw near to God through Yeshua the Messiah, I would just like you to raise your hand. Thank you. I see you. If you've been far from Hashem, there is no reason to be ashamed. God is drawing you near with cords of love. Raise your hand if you sense him drawing you closer to him through Yeshua's Passover sacrifice. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. For all those who raised their hands, and even those that didn't, but sensed that the Lord wanted them to, we ask, Father, that you would draw them near, O oh God, that you would equip them to live out lives of obedience to you because of your great love for them. We ask in the name of Yeshua that you would continue to reveal yourself to them, that they would grow in grace and truth. I ask for all of us, no matter where we are spiritually, that you would draw us close to you this Passover season so that we can live fully for you. And in Yeshua's name I pray. And we say, Amen. If you uh, raise your hand or if you would like prayer for any reason, I'll be, st I'll be around this area, around the Bema. Um, if you want to come up and uh, I'll pray for you. And um, because there's uh, no Oneg today, we have uh, a little bit of time to do that. Um, amen. Well, I'm, let me just close us in prayer as well. Father, uh, we just thank you for um, your season of Pesach. We thank you that um, you are the living God, that you draw us to yourself. And uh, we just bless what you are doing in this congregation, oh God. And uh, we ask that you make us um, partner with you. You make us open to what you're doing, that you would draw us near, that you would show us those things that are not pleasing to you, oh God, the ways that we haven't put you first, um, so that we can be pure, that we can live in the new reality, that we can be matzah as we truly are. And in Yeshua's name I pray. Amen.